0: Welcome to another edition of the Marketing Science Podcast, the podcast for sales and marketing professionals working within science, engineering, and healthcare. Don't forget to subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you usually listen to your podcasts. My name is Frank Barker, the head of marketing at Azo Network, where you can also subscribe. And my guest this week is president of Launch Team from Rochester, New York. Launch Team provides marketing and product launch strategy and execution for high-tech engineering, manufacturing, and service companies looking to grow sales, enter new markets, and create competitive advantage. I caught up with Michelle Nichols. Michelle, thanks very much for joining us. How are you doing today?
1: Really good. How are you?
0: Um, Yes, excellent. We're finally getting a bit of good weather over here in the UK. We're here to talk about marketing, specifically in life sciences and clinical diagnostics. Um, So how how have you found that those sorts of industries are reacting to the the crisis and, and how are they doing in comparison to other industries that you work with?
1: They've required a bit of a pivot, like all the industries we work in. Um, But really faring quite well. Almost everyone we work in with is deemed essential. And so while there's been a shift everywhere in how they work and how they get things done, um, they are open and they're busy.
0: What are the greatest marketing challenges that, that you're finding or the most common ones that you're finding amongst clients?
1: Uh, The challenge is the same across the board. Uh, Traffic and leads are up. We saw at the very onset of this a hiccup of anywhere from 5 to 20% in traffic drop, and then it immediately came back and is still growing. Uh, The challenge is really in connecting with those leads at point of need. Just because they have sought you out doesn't mean they're ready to talk so extending that buyer journey till their point of need is the challenge at hand
0: so one of the things that we find is that lots of clients struggle with resources maybe the uh, the knowledge gap as well sort of that maybe they don't have the skills necessary content creation or cre- creating good quality content is it's a challenge and doing it well rather than just you know creating any old drivel and putting it out there on the internet would you echo that amongst your clients as well
1: absolutely we're dealing with Uh, engineers and scientists who inherently get content. They're just strained for time and don't know how to walk that line between educational content and marketing.
0: You mentioned engineers and scientists. So what would you typically see as a buyer persona or or the the persona of your marketing managers? Are, Are they marketers first then they learn the science or or do they sort of naturally work their way up through science and engineering and then oh, a role comes up in marketing and they, they tend to drift towards that? How, how do you see that?
1: We work with a lot of VP of sales and marketing who are engineers or scientists who've become BD guys or... Uh, product managers who are coming up from the engineering background, and that's wholly appropriate for their organization. It just leaves a sales and marketing core competency gap.
0: Um, and what would that core competency gap look like? How? What sort of skills do you, do you tend to find the most common that that you need to advise and you need to plug?
1: Building and knowing how to measure the quality of a marketing team, uh, the outcomes, and so. When we can teach a data-driven approach, that's something they can really easily engage in.
0: If you were hiring for a, a marketing manager or a marketing department even, I suppose how do you view the sort of creativity versus the ability to analyze data and maybe be a bit more of an analytical thinker?
1: They tend to build up the analytical And the customer service in-house and can pretty effectively outsource the creative, the content generation. And I find they really enjoy that process. They really enjoy being engaged in the creative process as long as they're not driving in.
0: What sort of behaviors are you seeing from clients given the current uh, lockdown and uh, the, the current pandemic? How are they pivoting their marketing budgets?
1: Their first priority has had to be internal communication and some crisis communications. Uh, a lot of them are using this time to attack some key infrastructure projects. We're seeing a lot of CRM and infrastructure build out, uh, moving into automation, um, giving their sales teams some sales tools they newly are embracing that'll allow them to scale up later this year. Many of them are rethinking product launch because they have to. And recognizing that they can't carry forward the plan they had the drivers have
0: all changed we've been sort of toying with the idea of how we communicate better internally as a company using Microsoft teams that's our our um, tool of choice and I'm sure we're not alone in that um, and you get people commenting you know getting mixed up between channels teams conversations replies do you reply over here <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure that that happens you know throughout all all industries. I've, I've my housemate's actually a teacher and they're having exactly the same issues, not knowing where to respond, but it's it's sort of teething issues. What what sort of um what which internal comms tools are, are you finding uh, most of your clients are using and, and where they're getting some big wins?
1: Isn't it funny? We see it in the teachers too, just like we're seeing it in the companies we work with. We've had these tools all along, never really embraced them. And now we're all in Um, Microsoft Teams, um, shifting to project management tools like Trello, Slack. Um, It doesn't seem to matter. The tool set is the process of using it. Um, We're seeing a lot building out from the CRM as well. we're starting to use HubSpot for internal communications, launch, launching employee portals, bringing more of their organization into the CRM. Certainly Teams, You know, for a while there, with the shift, we just used all the tools and are now seeing that shift down into streamlining and some rules around it for our own sanity.
0: Well, we've used all of them. We've used Trello, Basecamp, we've used Teams, Slack, we've used um, Salesforce, Chatter, you know, it's, they're all fantastic tools, but you've, I th- think that gets to a stage where you've just got to pick one and make sure that everybody's super confident on that one Um a nice little function now is in Salesforce. If you start chattering or, or posting on a particular object, whether that's an account, a lead, or a, a contact or an opportunity, then that means that you don't actually have to copy the URL and send it in an email to someone. That's actually quite archaic. You can just have a nice live thread as to what's going on with that account in you know, in thread on that account. You mentioned, um, Hubspot as well. Um, I suppose what, what is the benefit of of using Hubspot for for internal uh, communication? Um, how how are companies, you know, leveraging that as part of their um, as part of their internal comm strategy?
1: Um, well we're platform agnostic. We work in all these tools, Salesforce, Hubspot. it's not so much about the tool is how you use it, how you commit to it. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And I think for a time, the battle was between sales and IT in choosing tools. And we almost lost track of the C in CRM for customer. Yeah. And so now we're starting to see service teams using it. Uh, We're linking, integrating with accounting and their ERPs. So it can give you a much fuller picture of the customer. As we move into serving employees, we've got to take on the same approach. It's got to be multi-channel, multi-stakeholder. So whatever that tool is, be it HubSpot or something else, can we do uh, SMS integration so that we can have escalating communications? The plant is suddenly closed today for deep cleaning. How do we get that message out to the right people? Um, How do we move beyond a phone tree
0: really on the idea of the single source of truth? How would you align your sales, your marketing, your operations, your finance, your service guys? How do you get the whole company singing from the same hinge sheet effectively?
1: Alignments always been a problem in sales and marketing. Um, especially when it's an engineering driven company and we need to pull in engineering product development. Um, Customer focus is the, the first place to start. I think and truly hope as we come out of this that companies will choose a higher vision. Uh, they'll find that they will grow by al- aligning their philosophy and their value system with their customer base. Um, but the easiest, most straightforward place to start is aligning around a deep understanding of the customer and what they need building customer empathy in the organization.
0: For me that would look like um a customer rings up and anybody who is sort of customer facing would know exactly who they're talking to, they'd know exactly the customer history, any problems they've had in the past, any billing issues or any, you know, just everything, 360 degree customer view and having it all in there. The challenges, let's say, uh, tend to be training the people within the company to to use it. So how would you how would you uh, recommend that, that uh, you, know, you might have somebody who's been used to emailing people all their life? How would you sort of shift them away from the more old-school ways of thinking and on to seeing the benefits of the single unified customer view and the 21st century tools available? How, how, do you, how do you get guys into, you know, how do you train them?
1: You've got to create some expectations that are across the board, without exceptions. And if that means extra support and training, uh, that's really important. Um, But ultimately, you need to move toward the behaviors you expect from your team are tied to their compensation. Certainly in sales, which is usually your first step, paying commissions right out of CRM reports ensures you have clean data as you can expand that into other audiences, how do we um, measure against expectation and tie it to comp? Yeah. Uh, That'll really drive change.
0: I can see how that works for for sales. How would it work for operations? Do you have any examples of of how it would work for finance or any other departments?
1: Sure. Uh, In customer service, uh, their daily usage, tracking their activities, whatever tasks you expect of them. or pattern of behavior, you can measure that in the CRM.
0: Great ideas. We're we're constantly looking for for more ways in which we can make ourselves more efficient. And we often um, advise clients on on those kinds of uh, efficiencies and and being able to get everybody playing off, like I say, out of the same playbook, singing off the same hymn sheet. So moving on, um, which marketing channels are becoming less effective? And where do you sort of see where clients might be not wasting, but um, they could be spending their res- or using better resources, better use of their time, energy, and effort.
1: Really, nothing new. It's just come to a head. Uh, we've been saying for a while that we need to rethink how we approach trade shows. So they're still an important part of your marketing plan, but not the only part. Um, we've said that we need to get beyond email. Um, certainly, the shift from Print advertising, those publications are sitting in my desk in my office where I have not been in weeks. And those trade publications have done a really good job at moving toward lead gen. We all need to rethink and broaden our marketing spend. It's a good time to sit back and retire some tactics that have declined in value over the last several years. The kind of behaviors that are winning right now are certainly... Virtual demo, social media is driving an awful lot of leads, Uh, technical content supports that buyer journey.
0: How would people be using social media, particularly with a view to, say, social selling?
1: It's a multi-touchpoint campaign, especially for those companies who have really embraced account-based marketing. They're connecting through LinkedIn, supporting it with the right kind of content that's uh, educational and non-salesy. Uh, they're engaging and using social media to, at least at the very first of this, uh, portray the message that they're open, they're available, they're healthy, um, to put something good out in the world. There was a lot of success in plain old human connection in the last two months. Yeah, um, I think people are wanting to know each other more authentically in business. And that's the best and sometimes only platform for that right now.
0: And You mentioned before also the um, the virtual demos. So say we are uh, manufacturing high-value capital equipment in science, might be a laser or, or something. How would you conduct a virtual demo in the current circumstances where people can't travel?
1: It's been important for a while. Uh, com- it's a great way for companies to grow their revenue, but it's the only way right now. Um, I think the tools are going to get much better faster for richer demos, for AR, for virtual tours. But right now, um, the sam- submit a sample process for testing and then to conduct that testing via existing tools as simple as FaceTime or Zoom um, to demonstrate a piece of equipment on their particular challenge. Um, I've seen companies set up whiteboard rooms so that engineer to engineer, they can sketch solutions and that moves the sales process along. Um, There's a physicality to that, even though it's virtual. Yeah. uh, That's appealing. I've seen um, real success with development kits when that's a possibility. Where we can ship a sample and let the customer play with it to do their own demo.
0: How do you minimize risk in marketing? And I suppose what what do you f- find is most companies' appetite for risk, um, and how do you go about managing that?
1: I think our all of our appetites for risk have shrunk significantly. Yeah, uh, coming from um, a place of scarcity right now, um, but. We've got to be very conscious to remove the fear of failure. And the easiest way to do that is have multiple experiments running. You can race your marketing tactics against each other um, so that you remove that fear of being wrong or being judged for that. Everything is measurable. And so if you can conduct an experiment with multiple hypotheses, Uh, you'll see results and then can re-optimize to shift effort towards what's working best.
0: Yeah. Do you have any tools in particular that you like to use for when A-B testing or experimenting?
1: Sure. We A-B test everything, uh, whether we're doing it more or less by hand or it's automated. Um, You know, automated in that you're running emails in a split list and gauging one factor at a time, subject line, things like that. Um, If we're doing social ads, we'll do two platforms and check our results. Do LinkedIn versus Facebook per se. Then reallocate budget. We design the window that will let that run.
0: Okay, um what do you uh, which do you prefer out of LinkedIn? Uh, I appreciate this might change depending on the client, but LinkedIn or Facebook? Um which do you prefer in terms of the targeting methods? Um what would you um what would you say to that?
1: Almost every persona we work with, LinkedIn's going to perform better. Uh but we have some exceptions. Yeah. You know, some of the say veterinary diagnostics, depending on that decision maker. They're pretty readily found on Facebook. It's the best way to get them. Um, Most of the platforms, though, you are less intrusive and at point of need when you're in LinkedIn.
0: Okay, so moving on, do you have many clients that are asking about virtual events and putting on, you know, with with events being canceled? Do you have people saying, oh, we'd love to run a virtual event or we've got a conference, we've got a product launch that we'd like to be able to get out there? Have you had many requests like that?
1: Sure, we had a lot going into this year of product launches that were tied to trade shows. We were going to tie the timing to trade shows. So that works. You can have a launch event. And when all the trade shows are canceled, uh, you could reschedule it. But if you wait till the end of the year, you won't meet your targets. So virtual events have been important for us. And they could be as simple as a webinar. and We can call them whatever they want. Um,
0: I find that um, a few... Even if a month or two ago it was, you know, people putting virtual events on and it, it sounded quite daunting to the sort of the market who'd never done anything like that before. But really there's is a virtual event nothing more than a a series of almost pre recorded webinars or pre recorded content with a countdown timer on and, and a few more bells and whistles?
1: Oh, absolutely. There are richer platforms, but if it takes you four months to prepare and pull off. Yeah. Do what you can. Um, And we've had great results from a simple webinar, an hour session with some live engagement with participants via video. And we're getting as strong a leads as we would from the trade show we were attending.
0: You you could run the whole you could run a virtual event with several different tracks uh, live, but you'd need quite a quite a bit of manpower in order to to manage that and make sure everything's working technically. But as soon as you sort of pre-record those presentations, or you you, know, you do a simulated live video or presentation, you imagine if you're at I don't know um, ACS or neuroscience or Pitcon or wherever, you you wouldn't interrupt the keynote speaker until the questions were at the end. So. You can de-risk the whole situation just by pre-recording the video, pre-recording a a virtual post or a presentation or whatever, and then saying questions at the end. And that's when the questions come in. So I I still think it's very, very possible to do it. Um, but it need not be so complicated or so daunting just for the, just for the average marketer.
1: No. And that takes a lot of the fear factor out of it. And, Honestly, I, for one, am a deeply flawed human being. I will stutter or not say quite what I wish to, as will they. And I think it works anyway.
0: There was that trade-off between authenticity and a real polished p- performance as well. So if you do the pre-recorded one, you can get it completely polished. But um, I think we were talking the other day about you won't necessarily have your dog come in and bark in the background, or <laughs> the kids, or the kids running in. Um, which gives it the authentic look. Um, Okay, but when it comes to product launches, um, how do you measure the success of a product launch that you may be in charge of for, for a client, say?
1: I'm seeing a lot of product managers holding themselves to the same plan and deadlines they were before. So I think companies need to step back and redefine it because they're at risk of being tone deaf I don't mean to minimize their goals or to reduce their expectations, but I think they'll have more success if they rethink it. And that can mean changing the message to that customer. And it can mean a full market pivot to aligning themselves with an emerging need that really didn't exist before. A rethink it's going back to your customer persona and understanding, is this still my buyer? And how are they feeling right now? You know, messages around supply chain resilience, around minimizing risk are gonna be far more effective than a more um, performance driven that would have worked three months ago. So that's simply re-messaging and rethinking the customer for an existing product. Some of these products or technologies can be can have a pivot, can work in a totally different market. Um, you know we had some medical device sales that suddenly could be rethought and bundled for telemedicine teleradiology and that launch window was about a week and a half.
0: Um, you mentioned before about personas um, and identifying new personas. What is the process that you go through for clients when when identifying and Um, targeting key customer personas
1: if they have existing customers in that market we can start there and use that data interviews when possible and certainly demographic data if it's an entirely new market we're starting from demographics and then testing it with some interviews once we firm up what the persona is and then you're looking for really a generalization. You're taking this entire audience who you believe is a good fit customer who values what you sell and generalizing them into a single person. Um, Who are they? How do they make decisions? How do they think about money? What's their home life and educational background? We've had two companies in the same space Selling the same kind of technology and one's customer persona, same title, same age, was raised internationally um, and did their masters in the states. The other was Midwest born and raised and working. Um, They come at and the messages resonate differently to them.
0: Do you find that when you're you're working with clients or you've got a new client on board, do they all already have? target personas or is that is that quite shocking if you find out that they don't have them or
1: very very few have them um and it can seem a little squishy until you've gone through it and then they get it um it's the language we use it's how we reach them it's where we spend money it can drive a lot of smart decisions but at the time it seems a little whoop
0: whoop we were marketing for many years for 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 clients but we actually built our marketing department up from from nothing i think um the carpenter always has the wonky table was the uh the phrase that was being used um but we we went through a very valuable it was about five years ago now very valuable um target persona exercise where we um we conducted interviews and we were able to see you know, down to demographics, sort of age profile, whether they were like, like I said before about whether they were marketers first and then they learned the science or whether they were scientists then, then, uh, that became marketers because there was a role available. Um, and we came up with say four or five different types of, of persona that would be a marketing manager within, within science, engineering, and healthcare. So it's, it is, it's always fascinating to see those sorts of trends and and see how they behave and, And um, yeah, I think it's, it's um, essential for any, any marketing strategy.
1: We just finished one and the assumption was everyone in the company agreed this was the title they sell to. And we finished it and everyone agreed, yes, that's that guy. And he's never going to make the decision to take this risk. So we had to go up a level, changes the whole marketing strategy.
0: So now, now we, we delve deeper. We've got financial decision makers. What are the key customer stakeholders do we have?
1: I, I don't buy the mentality that you start at the top and force it down, that you sell to the sea level or nothing. Um, I don't think that gives people in an organization enough credit. Start with the persona, see who's likely to make that decision, Yeah, and then really understand what will drive them to do something different.
0: There's a great book, um, The Challenger Salesman, and it had an accompanying book called The Challenger Buyer. Or the Challenger customer, I think it was. And that was talking about the hidden influences within any purchasing department that are likely to not get in the way, but likely to maybe throw up some challenges and issues. And you you don't even, it's the, the black swan that you don't even know about that you need to be addressing their needs as well. Okay. So just before we wrap things up, I wanted to ask you. Obviously, we're in unprecedented times, but how do you see this affecting uh, how how we all go to work in 2020 and beyond over the next, say, three to five years? what does What does the workplace look like, and how is it going to change from last year?
1: Good question. Um, I wish I knew the answer. I, I know that my team will stay virtual through the fall. I am intending to go to key conferences late this year and next. Um, but my intent there is is different. It is not lead gen. That is for connection. We will go back to working in person. Um, but I think we all need to be cognizant and build skills in how do we build real relationships remotely. It's how people want to interact. I think we want that deep sense of connection and community, and we need places where uh, that is real. I hope it brings a better depth to social media to virtual events beyond small talk. I think that is one good thing that could come of this.
0: Well, teams are—they'll become more more efficient. You won't have to necessarily um, hire. A team in the same area, in the same geographic, you won't be restricted by geography, so you'll be able to draw upon a, ne- a nation or even a, a global workforce, which is always good. Um, and I think, yeah, as people get better at, at sort of communicating and co- collaborating over over vast distances, it can only be a good thing. And ultimately, there'll be fewer air miles travelled, fewer commutes, that sort of that sort of stuff. So, I think there'll probably be fewer fewer trade shows but when you do go it's um there's a real emphasis on the relationships that you're building
1: yeah i i'm hearing already some companies who have key remote employees who say they feel much more connected to their colleagues than they did three months ago yeah i think we're going to learn to treat and embrace remote employees an awful lot more
0: And a big thanks again to Michelle Nichols, there, president and owner of Launch Solutions. If you have a question you would like us to discuss, please visit azonetwork.com podcasts and drop us a line. Don't forget to subscribe on all the podcast players. We'll see you next week when we talk to the guys behind the scenes at Azo Network and find out just what goes into making a podcast. We'll see you then.